0: Welcome to Out with Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ Plus authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello and welcome back to Out with Dan. Today, I'm excited to be chatting with Jane Harper about her new novel, Exiles. Welcome, Jane.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and you're here in California at the same time I am, so that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, Thanks. great, it's absolutely exciting to be here on publication day. It makes it so much more special to be, be here to see it
0: actually um, out in the wild. Wonderful, wonderful, and congratulations on, this is your fifth novel, is that right?
1: Yeah, it is my
0: fifth um, Australian mystery. Yep. Oh, it is so wonderful. You know, in some authors, um, their location is definitely a character. And that is certainly true for your books. Why Merrily Valley or South Australia for this one?
1: Yeah, so this one, so Exiles is set in, um, yeah, beautiful wine country in South Australia, which is a really sort of, you know, South Australia is really well known for its wine country. Um, so for this one, this is the um, the third and final book featuring Aaron Fork, is the detective we've first met in the dry. And for this one, he um, goes to um, South Australia for the christening of um, the child of one of his good friends, um, the Reiko family. And... Um, they are from South Australia, probably nobody else remembers that but me in the, in the dry. It was briefly mentioned they're from South Australia. That was kind of partly what put me on that track in the first oh. place. Um, and then secondly, it was just such a beautiful location. I mean, it was it was somewhere that um, I felt was really good for his character because he had that kind of country feel that he's, uh, he's a country boy at heart. So, um, and it was just a glorious place to kind of research and try and bring to the page.
0: I love it. I love it. Are you, I know you live in Melbourne now. Are you from Melbourne or are you from a small town?
1: Um, I'm actually from the UK actually originally. Um, So, um, and I used to work before I wrote my first book, I used to work as a print journalist on regional newspapers. So I spent a lot of time covering community fates, school stories, parish council meetings, all kinds of like the little kind of intricacies that kind of make a community what they are. And I think that, um, yeah, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, that really helped me a lot. Write, I think write these stories that I think hope um, kind of capture that, the kind of ebb and flow of community life.
0: It, it's very different. I now live in a large city and I like living in a large city, but I grew up in a very, very small community of about 450 people in eastern North Carolina. And one of the things that I notice in your novels is people who live in a large city see life different than people who live in a country setting or a small rural setting because in a smaller place you do know the people around you. And that is one thing that once again Aaron's brought back to a small community. And it's it's wonderful to see the inner workings of a small community because secrets are very different there. Do you I feel com- that way?
1: Oh completely I completely agree. And I think you you'd absolutely um uh, identified the, the beauty of writing about a small community there because um you know I find in in a in a city, you know, there's so many escape routes. You know, there's people coming yes. and going, there's a thousand coffee shops to sit in. The city, and you're not gonna keep sit in a coffee shop and see five of your closest neighbors. Mm. Um whereas I mean from a purely technical standpoint, writing about a small community is so much, um, gives you so much um so many more opportunities to make the characters interact because they're forced to, because there's yeah, there's, there's, there's not many other people. So um, you have these very natural interactions and people are forced to kind of get along with people that they maybe would naturally not choose to. So um, from that standpoint, it's just a yeah, writer's dream really.
0: And as the reader, it is for me as well, because we see something that's very different. We live in a technological world, and in your books, we have modern technology. But if you put those in a large city, I think a lot of times we get lost because everything is so rapid. Here, the reader gets to enjoy watching the layers be peeled back on what's going on locally.
1: That's it. And I I personally, as a reader, just enjoy books where Everything is kind of contained within within sort of the bubble of the book. You know, you know that, that the questions and the answers are all within this sort of set cast of characters and this location. And it's just a question of unraveling and, and what what stage you find out what's at, yeah at the heart of that question.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's one of the things you do, and I assume most readers won't think that accounting or forensic accounting is very sexy but Aaron actually brings that in to be you know that's one thing that his mind is so sharp are you are you fond of numbers
1: well no not, not more not more than the average person I would say but um it's funny because when I was building his character, sometimes you know people ask kind of you know, where where, this, you know, where did the character come from initially? And he was first introduced in my novel The Dry, which um, was set in a small drought-stricken community where he returns to the funeral of his friends. And one thing I kind of often say to aspiring authors is you don't, um, you know, a character doesn't have to be kind of fully formed when you're first thinking about it. And and the characters are there as a tool in the same way as language and plots, you know, the, the plot um, choices. And they're there to help move the story forward. And so um, a lot of decisions about Fork, oh, yeah, I wish I had a beautiful romantic story about how he, he came to me in the dream. I thought, what a great character. I'm going to write about you. But in actual fact, I mean, like he was, he was, you know, the building blocks of him were very functional. So I, I made him a, um, a financial detective because I wanted him to have some policing experience, but not be kind of a slick city homicide cop who's going to come in and show these country boys how it's done. I wanted him to be, uncomfortable in this situation being asked to kind of look into the death of his friend really you know not have you know a a huge skill set to bring to the table in that field but have his own kind of um you know his his own sort of benefits that he he could bring in his inside knowledge of the family and things like that so um that was kind of the reason why he had the job that he did um and but i you know i i yeah i like it because it kind of gives him you know, he does have this sort of—he's—he's um, he's not just rolling into town, kind of showing people mm-hmm. how it's done. He—he he does mm-hmm. have a, a more um, study arms length view of things, I think.
0: And I think also because he, uh, in the dry, we we see his hometown or where he grew up, and what we see, what we see once again when it's a small community, it's very different. You can come in with guns blazing, but you won't get very many answers that way because people will put up defenses because they, they this is their bubble and they don't want someone to burst it. And so that was one of the beautiful things about seeing Aaron come in, because he's a bit shy in a lot of ways, but he's extraordinarily respectful of other people. And that too is a very nice thing to read on the page.
1: And I think in Exiles, one of the big draws of, of setting in that small town community in South Australia was that for me, it kind of mirrors his um, his own community in Victoria where he grew up but in a, in a very positive way so yeah you know, his his own sort of hometown he has you know he doesn't have hugely positive associations mm-hmm. with it so he's had some trouble times there it's his community under pressure there's a lot of um you know relationships under strain there and then he comes to the South Australian town and it's it's everything kind of touches him as a country boy um at heart but he you know people do at least on the surface certainly get along and there's um you know it's a thriving community and it rubs along well and um, it kind of gives him, I think, a little bit of a um, sort of opens a door to his mind as to, as to what, you know, what could be and what he maybe really wants.
0: So I know that several characters in the book suggest or a hint maybe he'll leave the big city and go to the country. Is that something you would consider doing in life?
1: Do you know, I personally wouldn't right now. I mean, partly things like I have two children and one of them is at school now and things like that. So, um, but I have to say during um you know, d- during the last few years with with COVID and people, you know, having really huge changes in their lifestyle, I think so many of us, and me included, really reflected on, you know, uh, I, I guess yeah, you know, how we were living and, and, and what was what we really wanted to be. You know, life to look like when we came out of it and I think certainly in Australia that was a very sort of common theme and, and a lot of things something that people were talking about and I think that probably certainly sort of fed into this book in that way um, although it's not it's not a COVID book it doesn't sort of no. refer to anything like that but I think that that idea of just taking stock of your life and reflecting on where you are is kind of of it seems that, that really sort of came out to me certainly as an author.
0: I like that and I, I think that a lot of my friends and I here in the states we had the same reaction. You know, you some things that we thought were so important all of a sudden become not so important. And I think that that is so directly mirrored in this book because Aaron has a lot to think about. And I think that that's that's a something that really talked to me because I, I recognize that I feel like we all go through. We've been through that in the past few years, but I think we also all go through that in life, where we start taking stock of things. A pandemic made a lot of us stop and take stock, but I think that oftentimes people do that.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree. I think at certain times in your life, you know, certain milestones, you know, finishing finishing school, maybe finishing you know, university, or, or you know your your sort of apprenticeship or whatever you're doing, um, getting married, having children, you know, all those kind of things, changing jobs, they all opportunities opportunity where i think you are forced to sort of think is this is this what i want and am i on the right path and, and sometimes people don't have the opportunity to change that and i think when you do it is something that is you, know, you it is something that people tend to consider quite closely because it doesn't come along at, all the time there's maybe a few yeah. points where it's
0: possible that's right that's right so With this novel and murder and mystery, as you always have, and you write so eloquently about, you also have an enormous romance novel in this book as well. I mean, the the relationships, all of the characters have relationships one way or another, and there's a lot of romance. And it it was just an everyday life event, but it was so beautiful. Was that on your mind?
1: Oh, thanks, Dan. I, I really appreciate that. I really enjoyed kind of writing that aspect of it. Um, and I think, because for me, the the books, they're, they're, they're always kind of placed on like the, the crime or mystery shelf. And, you know, which I'm 100% happy with. I think that's where they, you know, belong. But for me, the um, the crime or the mystery at the, the heart well, at the start of the novel is more for me the catalyst for what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's at the heart of it is the relationships between the characters and what's kind of, I guess, led them to these these moments that are unfolding in the book. Um, and a big part of that was, yeah, the relationship between Fork and the the various people he meets, and also the relationships within that established group of you know of friends and family as well. Um, and that is one of my kind of favorite things to bring out because I think that's what really you know, drives us all. And it's something that we can all kind of relate to.
0: I've noticed all along that um, Greg and Rita Rako are such loving individuals with each other and in turn are the same way with Aaron. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to read. And I think that a lot of times authors shy away from it, at least in my opinion. I really, really will pat you on the back that I just love their relationship with each other and with their friend, Aaron, And it's it's important. Do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I do. And I think um, as a reader, I get a little tired of constantly reading relationships where people are just horrible to each other you know yes. under the guise of i don't know a marriage being under stress or whatever when i mean most of the people i know i mean are lucky enough to kind of have you know good relationships with their their significant others and um and you know i, I i've sort of sometimes you hear i remember you know in, in kind of early, the early days of when you're reading sort of writing how to write guides and things like that people often say things like um you know good relationships are not interesting but i i disagree I, and i think you know, within a novel, there's this place, there's a place with lots of different relationships and they don't mm. all have to be challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, one of my favourite things about this novel is how how gentle, you know, um, Rita and Greg are with Fork. You know, they're they're there for him. They are a really solid, reliable kind of sort of um, pillar in his life and something that I think he, you know, sort of um, kind of aspires to have that sort of emotional um you know, security and maturity
0: that they they demonstrate daily. And it's it, it really is beautiful to read. And I find it to be exciting to read on the page. I enjoy books where people have a troubled relationship, whether it's their family or at work, because, you know, sometimes it drives the story along. But something that is gentle and real and genuine can be just as beautiful and just as exciting because you get to root for someone. You want them to win.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and I think, you know, sometimes, absolutely, sometimes there's, um, there's, there's places where, you know, you need people to have that kind of friction. Um, but sometimes with secondary characters, you don't, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and just shoehorning it in for the sake of a little bit of extra drama that's, that's really detracting from the main, you know, points you're trying to make um, in the, you know, in the plot and in that chapter. Um, I think sometimes, you know, too much is too much. And right. it does room for that sort of, just, just a little bit more gentle pace with it.
0: So in both the dry and exiles, there is a small child involved. And I, I found myself so compelled by that because in both situations, the child is left alone. And that is something that is, you know, a maternal paternal instinct wants you to help. And um, so I know you have two children. How old are they?
1: They are uh, six and three.
0: Oh, Um, lovely.
1: Yeah. So they're very young. And I think, I think the, 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 you know, when you're children at that age, your life is so, so parent focused, you know, it just, it's, so I think inevitably that does absolutely creep in. And when I I think about, you know, I suppose situations that, um, you know, would, would trouble me and would concern me, I mean, you know, sometimes um i, I suppose is as any parent that's sort of um is something that your mind naturally goes to i do always um say though um as, as to, you know whatever i sort of talk about this book, i always make the point in um you know like the, the ba- there's a the there's a baby found um at this start uh alone a parameter mother has gone missing and that's what sort of sparks the whole question but i always make the point that the baby is fine like the baby is fine yes. she's tucked <laughs> up she's safe she's in a place like she's away from the elements, she's banned very quickly, um, because I feel that's a very different kind of book, you know, if, um, if not, so I just want to put people's minds, you know, at rest immediately, the, the baby is totally
0: fine. Well, and I agree, because it does, it would definitely put you on a different shelf, that's for sure. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that there's something in the book that I, well, I'm trying to figure out how to say this exactly right. So they're uh, sort of like a child lead. So not the baby in the pram, but there's something that happens with Eva. And it is just so natural. And it reminds me yet again, if we simply listen to children, because children tell us the truth. And that is something that is just so, you know, it's it's simple, but it's it's very important in life. that, And not only children, but we have to listen. If, if you're going to be a good detective, you have to listen.
1: Yeah, and I think this is one of the, the key points about, I think, writing, uh, well, writing, not just a mystery, but maybe any book that has I've sort of learned certainly over the course of five books, is that, um, you know, you have to really um keep in the forefront of your mind that every character is seeing this, this situation differently. So they're not seeing it as me, how I, I'm seeing it as an author, and they're mm-hmm. certainly not seeing it as the main character is seeing it. Everybody's bringing their own life experience to it be that a child or be that someone who's lived in the community for 80 years or or whatever um and the beauty of each one of those is they they are seeing things slightly differently and there's an opportunity there with each one to shed a little bit of fresh light on the situation if if you kind of allow them to you know get their point of view across um you know an appropriate moment so um it is a little bit it does feel a little bit like forced to juggle sometimes and it can be kind of tempting to sort of um, I think, you know, all characters are seeing things the same way, you know, when you've got a lot on and you're, you're sort of really trying to, to balance things out. outfit. It's worth um, at some point in the writing process just, just you know, looking at each individual character and thinking, what, you know, what are, what are they seeing when they're seeing the scene? They're not all seeing the same thing and what can they maybe bring to it?
0: I love that. I love that because it is true. We don't all see the same thing we may all see a blue car or a blue shirt or a green hat or whatever but everyone sees it slightly different and that's that's it has served you well that's for sure congratulations oh thank you so um how was it different so your first novel was made into a movie that i've seen twice and loved both times um is that something that is on the radar again, or is that something, it, it must be different. I'm trying to step very carefully because I don't want to discourage one way or another, but is that something that an author like you would be interested in again, or is that not something that is on your radar?
1: Yeah, well, so I I, um, I love the dry adaptation. Um, I, I thought it was, it was such a beautiful, thoughtful kind of um, companion to the book you know I thought, I thought the, the director and screenwriter who's a guy called Robert Connolly um, in Australia I thought really you know, understood the book and he he absolutely stood out to kind of capture that you know, what was what was, what was that at the heart of it. Um, so I loved it, I was actually in it. I don't know if you've seen it, there's two times you have seen it. I don't know if you've seen me and my husband playing Grieving Mourners at the funeral. We were in the second row. Next, when you see it on your third viewing, you'll have to pause it yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm, <laughs> Now I'm going to run it again That's because right. I, now I need to know.
1: <laughs> you don't have to watch very far. We're in the first, like, uh, like a minute and a half and you <laughs> have to, don't look down at your popcorn because you'll miss it. Um, but we're, we're right there sort of, you know, really setting up the scene, I feel. Um, but um so it was beautiful and then um actually some exciting music is so the, the the whole team behind the dry, the same people, Robert Connolly and the the team, um the production team, um have just have finished filming Force of Nature, which is a second book she Aaron for Um I didn't get to be in this one, but I did go out and set and I have seen a, a kind of a rough cut of the film and it's really it's really great. Like they've done it, you know, I feel they've done it again, they've got this really. fantastic cast the scenery is beautiful. Um, it really, I think celebrates the book. And, um, yeah, so I'm not sure, um, how long it'll be until it's finishing it on screens, but yeah, watch his space. Cause it, it can't be too far off.
0: I love that. I'm very excited. Once again, the book is exiles by Jane Harper. It is so magnificent. I can't recommend it enough. Do you have uh, a website or social media you would like to share?
1: Yeah, sure. So my website um, is janeharper.com.au. We've got that Australian um, suffix on the end. And um, from there, you can link to all my um, social media as well, which is basically variations of Jane Harper author.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. The book was delicious. My chat was delicious. And I look forward to doing it again.
1: Oh, thanks, Dan. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out with Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at OutWithDan, and on Instagram and Facebook at GoOutWithDan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.